morning. So our text this morning is from Acts uh, 12, 6 through 19. This is read from the New Living Translation. <clears throat> it's titled, uh, Peter's Miraculous Escape from Prison. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to waken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door and the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what had happened, he said. And then he went to another place. Sometimes in life, we're surprised by things that really shouldn't be surprised about. Things like gaining weight, especially over the holiday. Well, how did that happen? Maybe it was all the brownies and the chocolate fudge you ate. That's my problem anyway. Or how about getting a speeding ticket? Oh, I don't know, officer. Was I really going that fast? You're right, officer, I was. Or how about pregnancy? Surprise. Well, how did that happen? Well, if you don't know how that happened, you have some bigger problems than just being pregnant. But things like that surprise us. Even answered prayer surprises us. And in our text this morning, we have a group that is surprised by answered prayer. Why were they so surprised? Was it because of their circumstances? What does their surprise say about their faith? Hmm. Let's give a little background here for our text. It's been about 10 years since the death of Christ. King Herod Agrippa I is in power. Now, he's the grandson of the King Herod who was in power when Jesus was born and ordered all the Jewish babies to be murdered for his power to stay. This is his grandson, King Herod Agrippa I. And King Herod Agrippa is looking to be popular with the Jewish people. And so he begins to put pressure on the Christians, and he starts to persecute them. But now growing up during this time is a young servant girl named Rhoda. 
Now, young people that were servants were often given by their families to pay off a debt. These children would live with their new family, their master, and do whatever they were told. Some masters were cruel. Rhoda would have heard about these stories in the marketplace as she went with the other servants to do shopping for the master. Rhoda was one of the lucky ones, though. She lived in a good home. She had wonderful masters. Every time she heard one of those terrible stories, she was thankful for the masters that she had. One of those masters was a woman named Mary. She was the mother of John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. They were good people. They were kind people, and they treated Rhoda with great deal of respect and honor. And she met many people that came to visit their home because they had so many meetings in that house. And during these meetings, they would read scripture, they would sing songs, and they would talk about this man named Jesus. And when they talked about this man named Jesus, their faces would light up. There would be such hope and life in their conversation as they talked about this Jesus who forgave them of their sins. After these meetings, the people would thank her on the way out. It was a stark contrast to the stories of the other servants that she talked with ones who were yelled at, ones who were even beaten by their masters. Rhoda was always treated with kindness. And then there was this one man in particular that Rhoda always looked forward to seeing. He was a funny and loving man by the name of Peter. He always told stories of the time that he spent with Jesus. One of Rhoda's favorite stories was the one where Peter tried to walk on water and he sank, but this man, Jesus, pulled him up and saved him. Oh, how Rhoda loved being in this home with these people, learning all about this Jesus, this God, the one who had power to forgive sins, the one who died but came back from the dead. She had heard stories of the miracles he had done. She heard stories of the blind getting their sight, the lame walking once again, the deaf hearing again. It was all so exciting for her. She looked forward to these meetings, despite her extra work, because she loved hearing about this God who did great things. Then one day, she comes home from the market. There is no joyful celebration. There is a soberness. There's a tension and a heaviness in the home. As Luke recorded in the opening of, of chapter 12 in Acts, King Herod had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. 
This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. You see, Peter sitting in prison being guarded by 16 soldiers. Kind of ironic, don't you think? King Herod was worried about Peter escaping. Do you think he had heard about this God of miracles? Maybe he was trying to be prepared for anything by surrounding Peter with 16 soldiers? Not only surrounding him, but verse 6 tells us that two of them were actually chained to Peter. The odds don't look so good for Peter. You might say they were impossible. But those are just the kind of odds that our God loves. He's the one who came to set captives free. The prophet Isaiah gave this prophecy in chapter 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. The believers praying at Mary's house would have known this prophecy. They would have heard the stories of God setting the Israelites free from Egypt, setting them free from captivity in Babylon. Many of them in this house praying may have been witnesses to the very miracles of Jesus who set people free from their past, free from their sins, free from their ailments and their disabilities. And so there they sat praying. But meanwhile, back at the prison, Peter is feeling the effects of this praying group. Well, how do you know that? Because verse 6 tells us that he was sleeping. He was going to be publicly ridiculed and then killed the next day. And here he is sleeping, resting in the peace of the Lord. Have you ever been through a difficult trial, a difficult circumstance, but you still feel the peace of the Lord? That's because people were praying for you. I've had several experiences myself where I've known that the prayers of friends and family have made all the difference in my circumstances. They may not have changed my circumstances, but they got me through it. Prayers matter. Prayer makes a difference. 
And that is why Peter is able to sleep. But then he's woken up by an angel. In fact, the bright light doesn't even wake him up. The angel comes and, get up. Hey, buddy, get up. He has to poke him to wake him up. He's so sound asleep. And then the chains fall right off his wrists. Now remember, he's between two guards. He's chained to them. They're still asleep. Then he's told to get dressed and follow the angel. They make their way past the first guard, then the second guard post, and then through an iron gate that opens all by itself until they get to the street. The angel leaves him, and suddenly he realizes it's not just a dream, it's not just a vision. He is really free. An angel of the Lord came to set him free, free from bondage, free from punishment. Any of you remember the moment that you gave your life to Jesus? The freedom that you felt in that moment? Where you just lit on fire, you couldn't wait to go and tell somebody? Well, that's what Peter does. He can't wait to go and tell someone, I am free, I've been made free. And so he runs to the home of Mary, where he knows that the believers gather so he can tell them, I'm free. I'm free. God has moved in a mighty way. I'm free. He can't wait to share the news with others. So when he realized he was free, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door and the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognizes Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. Notice it doesn't say she was surprised that Peter was there only that she was overjoyed. She was filled with gladness. The Greek word they use here means rejoicing. She was jubilant. She wasn't surprised at all. She was excited. She was filled to overflowing with joy and gladness. This God that she had heard so much about, the one who set people free, the one who performed miracles, had just done another one. She saw the believers praying for Peter all night, and here he was standing right at the gate. The God that she had only heard about before has done a miracle right before her eyes. She's so excited, she can hardly contain it, so she runs to tell the others forgetting to let Peter in. Oh, church, if we only displayed that much excitement and energy over sharing God's work with others, what a difference we could make in the world. And then look what happens when she tells people, Peter's standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. Some translations say, woman, you are mad. You're just darn right crazy. 
These are the believers. They've heard the scriptures about God's miracles. They walked with Jesus. They saw him heal people. Rhoda comes to say, he's free. He's at the door. No, he's not. You're lying. He's not there. Our God can't do that. Yeah, we're praying for it, but our God can't do that. That's what they're saying. Do we believe that? Does God answer prayer? Rhoda has only heard the stories of God's deliverance, and yet she believes. The believers in Mary's home, many of them witnessed miracles, and yet they don't believe. They doubt. One of the things I really admire about Rhoda was her tenacity. The word says she insisted. She didn't back down. She knew the truth. She knew what she heard, and she was not going to let the others tell her differently. Sometimes we see the hand of God in our circumstances. And when we tell the world, they tell us we're wrong. Oh, you're foolish. You're a mad woman. You're a crazy man. There's no God. God doesn't do those things. He doesn't exist. Yes, he does. We need to stand firm in the truth of God's word. If you have been saved by the blood of Christ, if you are a child of God, stand firm in that. Don't let others tell you there's no such thing as God working a miracle. Yes, there is. We've all experienced one. That's his business. God is in the miracle business. That's what he does. As I read this story, and I read this story, and I read this story, and I started to wonder, you know, why didn't she just open the door and say, see, I told you so. That's what I would have done. See, you guys are the stupid ones. Look, he's right here. I, I can show you. He's right here. There would have been no disbelief at that point. They would have known what she knew. But this story tells us about the level of Rhoda's excitement. When she recognized Peter's voice. And how she just couldn't wait to tell the others the good news. But sometimes we find ourselves behaving more like the believers who met for prayer than Rhoda. They had been praying all night for God to answer their prayer. Praying, protect Peter, Lord, protect him. But then when God does it, they don't see it. They don't believe it. Now, meanwhile, Peter's still knocking on the door. Peter's going to be getting a little nervous out there. You're going to be wondering, what's going on in there? Don't they realize I'm free? Don't they realize that I'm standing here? An angel has just set him free from an impossible situation, and now he's stranded on the street, wondering if they're going to pick him up and throw him back. 
So now he's no longer just knocking. Now he's going to be thunderously banging on the door to be let in. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Amazed. Amazed that God answered prayer. Surprised. This was an answer to their prayer. And they were amazed. The original Greek says that they were actually beside themselves in astonishment. They didn't believe it was possible. They were surprised that God had answered their prayers. Do you know this is the only place in all of Scripture where a group of believers join together in prayer and have actually been amazed that their prayer was answered? Nowhere else in Scripture is that found except right here when Peter comes knocking on the door. Answer to prayer. That's what they've been praying for. And wow. Wow, look at that. He actually did it. God, you got out of prison. Wow, God actually answered our prayer. Only place in Scripture that there is surprise at God's answered prayer. Even though they were praying, they didn't really believe that God could answer their prayers. The text doesn't tell us why. Maybe the believers were feeling discouraged. After all, James was killed. God didn't spare James. We prayed for James. James wasn't spared. So why Peter? We'll pray for Peter, but he'll probably just end up the same as James did. Is that prayer? Expectation? Depending on our circumstances. We need to remember that God's ways are higher than our ways. Our view is finite. We see only our past. We see only our present. And even in those, our view is just limited to our own experience. We can't see our experiences affecting others. Only God can see that. Because God sees all time, all places, all at once. He knows better than we do. I can't tell you why he doesn't answer some prayers and he does others. That's only for him to know. We need to know that God is good and that whatever he does is good, even if we don't understand it. And so we keep praying. And when we pray for God to do something, Those prayers must be coupled with faith. We must believe that what we're asking to be done can be done, will be done. We must believe that with God all things are possible. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes us. Our prayers increase our faith, knowing that God hears us and that he desires to answer us. Remember what Jesus told us about the Father, Matthew chapter 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. 
Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Unless you're Peter trying to get in the house for safekeeping, then it's not opened right away. Or that man, or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, you'll give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? You see, Rhoda had heard these things about Jesus. And she had heard about God at the prayer meetings held in Mary's home. And during the all-night prayer meeting for Peter, she was expecting God to be God. She was waiting and expecting God to be God in Peter's circumstances. She had heard of a God who did good things. She had heard of a God who did great things, impossible things. That's what she was expecting. So when Peter knocked on the door, Rhoda was not surprised. She was jubilant and rejoicing, yes, but not surprised that God was being God, doing the impossible, just like she had always heard about at the meetings at Mary's home. See, the question we need to ask ourselves from Rhoda's story, are we expecting God to be God? Are we living with a vibrant faith that is alive? Are we living every moment expecting God to be God in our circumstances? If we've stopped expecting God to show up in our lives in real ways, then maybe we need a faith revival. When we stop expecting God to be God, our prayers become small. Our prayers become manageable in such a way that if God doesn't move, well, I'll do it myself. Then our salvation makes us prideful rather than thankful. And our trials will make us bitter rather than better. We can look to the faith of this young servant girl named Rhoda as an example for us. She had heard of God, and she expected God to be God. And she was overflowing with gladness and joy over experience and seeing God's work with her own eyes. She had no longer just heard about it, now she saw it. She had that childlike faith that Jesus told us about. From Matthew 18, Jesus had called a little child to him. He put the child among them, and then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble, humble as this little child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
if we want to live a life of expectation where God is God in the details of our circumstances, then we must learn to humble ourselves. If we want to experience that vibrant, active, real relationship with God, then we must first recognize our dependence upon him, call to him in our brokenness, ask him for forgiveness, ask him for freedom from your past, even from some of the stuff in your present. We don't hear of Rhoda again in Scripture. Her appearance here in Acts just gives us a glimpse of what unquestioning, simple faith in answered prayer looks like. She shows shows us how we can expect God to be God and how it shouldn't surprise us but excite us. See, Rhoda's story gives us hope. She gives us expectation that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says. That's the hope and confidence in the assurance of our faith in the creator, our creator. Isn't that what it's all about? Do you expect God to be God? Or do you keep him this size? Because he's manageable. Do you pray little prayers because you want to protect God? So if he doesn't deliver on the prayer, you can do it yourself. And then, oh, look what God did. No, that was you. Pray big because your God is big. He's not afraid of your big prayers. He's not afraid of your big dreams and your big problems. They're not big to him. Expect God to be God, and you'll see the miracles. You'll see the greatness of our God. Heavenly Father, We thank you for the example of Rhoda this morning who believed. Though she didn't see, though she had only heard, Father, she believed. She expected you to act. She she expected the God that she had heard about to do great things. The believers didn't. Father, may our hearts look to you always. May we look to you to be God at all times in all circumstances. That's when we shine the brightest for you, Lord. That's when we'll make a difference in the world. When we celebrate our big God, who does big, great things, who works in the details of our lives. 
and we shout it from the rooftops, when we run and tell people, look what God did. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for answering our prayers. And sometimes, even the ones you don't answer, Father, because we know that you know best. You know what's best for us. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.